All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another episode of the Book of Podcasts and uh, a brand new guest today. Dale Henry is with us. Dale, thank you so much for making time for the Book of Podcasts community. Oh, my pleasure. I hope you have a good time. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm expecting that. Um, and actually, this is, in, in a way, kind of a continuation, if you will. So back in episode 332, your daughter, Ashley Abert, was here with us and was representing, of course, the Abundance Group, which is a company that you all run together. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. You've met the energy and the excitement side. Now you get me, Mr. Rational, Logical, and, <laughs> and all that. Well, um, I've, I've alluded to this a number of times before on the podcast, but one of the things that is a reality, including for people like myself, I'll be the first to raise my hand as being a, a more emotional, at times a little bit less logical type, certainly as a photography business owner for 10 plus years. We are guilty as photographers of kind of running businesses based on our feelings and uh, and not so much based on the logic, number one. Number two, it's easy for us to kind of put blinders on and get stuck in the middle of what we're doing and lose sight of any kind of objective perspective. And one of the things you mentioned to me before we started recording is that you, you kind of lend that so-called objective perspective to the, at least the photography industry in the context of this conversation. Can you expound on that a little bit? Sure. I mean, part of it is what I love about working with wedding pros is that you have the artistry and the technical side of the business, but sometimes it's the knowledge or the principles of just running a business that are the part you, in a sense, you may think you can't do or that it's more difficult. But because of my business background, working in multiple industries, I can bring an outsider view in and say, well, the principles are just this. It's just things you need to learn. It's not changing you as a person, you're just adding knowledge about how to run a professional business. Interesting. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, those basic bis- business principles are applicable regardless of the industry. That's so important to remember. You mentioned being involved in multiple industries. Just to give context to our listeners before we dig into our kind of primary topic today, what is your background? Well, my background, I'm, first of all, I'm an old guy. You can probably see that every, <laughs> using the video. Um, but I started my career really in corporate consulting. So okay. had the opportunity with over 50 Fortune 500 companies wow. um, to be brought in to help improve their business performance. So I've seen a lot of different industries, both from large. Um, but then I, through the years, I one of my businesses is, is developing leadership teams and mid-sized companies, okay. as well as coaching around entrepreneurs. So I, I see the principles that, that um, apply in all situations and work for everybody. And they can bring those things from the big organizations that have a lot of resources right. and bring it down to the small company and say, hey, this is the same principle. This is exactly how it works. So you mentioned being a consultant. What was your uh, background, even schooling? Like, how did you develop the knowledge base that enables you to be able to do that consulting work? Um, I don't know that schooling was really that much of it. Oh, really? Okay. I guess. I mean, I, I did the college thing and, and got both a business management and a psychology degree. Okay. And I joke for me when I came out of the market in the market it was really difficult. So I said I knew which job I didn't have and why I didn't have it. But I don't know that that really helped me. And but it was really for me, it was actually a lot about my personality, my makeup. That okay. I really was. I always kind of been a coach, a mentor. Um, 
a guy that kind of background. Now on the flip side, I'm not necessarily a doer, which, which is, would be a good thing to be. Um, and that's where the partnership with Ashley really uh, helps out. But that makes sense. So it's a background of really about business, not necessarily about any specific industry. Well, and the ability to be able to look at something critically and give objective feedback. Um, I, I know I'm, I'm realizing, continuing to realize as a business owner um, that I do lack that objective perspective many times. And it's nice, whether it's asking for feedback from my team or asking for feedback from somebody else in the industry, somebody outside of my immediate circle, um, that could be really, really helpful because it's amazing. I mean, even asking my kids might lend a certain perspective. They don't have, they don't have um, experience running a business. They're not photographers, but they're able to see something from an angle that I can't because I'm right in the middle of it. And so it is nice to have somebody come in from the outside and lend that perspective. I can see how there'd be a massive benefit. Let me just, let's just kind of dig right into this topic today, which is how to scale our photography business. Now it's a loaded topic. We have a relatively limited amount of time. So I know we're going to be able to only cover kind of basics at the moment, but this is not a point of conversation had very much in the photo industry. Most of the industry is run by sole proprietors who are shooting, you know, in the context of a wedding photographer, maybe 20 to 30 weddings a year, if that. Mm -hmm. um, portrait photographers, maybe 40, 50 portrait sessions a year, maybe a little bit more in some cases. But the idea of scaling a business or the idea of scalability just as a root level concept as it relates to their business is not something that's being considered. And, and unfortunately, I think it's not really being discussed a whole lot. Why do you think that's the case? Well, I mean, for so much of it, it's, it's the thought of, are you just, what's your goal really? I mean, I guess to step back for a second, it's the difference between scaling and growing your business. I mean, first off, and at the Abundance Group, what we try to do is create clarity by really describing what it is we're trying to go after. So we know when we get the result we're looking for. So mm. when we talk about growing our business, that's really usually a marketing and sales activity. We simply need to get, we need to attract and close more business. So on that side, we're really focused on sales and marketing. For us, when we talk about scaling, it's working with the people that have filled their calendar and now want to grow their business, but they know they can't simply add more time. It's really a capacity issue to serve. Hmm. It's not a marketing and sales concern. So that's where we start with as we talk about scaling. Okay. So just as, I guess, kind of a baseline definition in the context of the photography industry and a photography business, we're talking about scaling a business. We're talking about figuring out ways to, I mean, is it very simply just figuring out ways to work more efficiently? Um, so that we can function within the, I guess, what can seem like chaos of all this un incoming business? Right. Well, I mean, that's where it starts. Yeah. It's about, it's really about the owner's time, the business owner's time. It's, okay. Originally, you can, you can um, get more efficient in your marketing or get more efficient in your CRM, you know, use tools and automation to, to make your key processes more efficient. But you also want to start out, have them effective. You know, if we, your marketing isn't necessarily efficient if you're not attracting enough leads, but then it gets beyond, okay, what happens when your opportunities are all in the same time or on the same day? How are you going to cover more than one wedding um, at the same time? So it's about, that's about growing your team. And then you start as you scale. So you think of growing capacity. So you want to serve more, more customers how do you do that? Do you outsource that? Do you outsource some work? 
do you consciously bring on a team? And then how do you bring on the team most effectively? So we start out what your scaling goal really is, and then you go from there and build out the strategy that, that applies to that scaling technique. That makes sense. Well, and, and, you know, even just the, the simple logical steps that you're sharing, I think are really wonderful. So I kind of want to recap them here. This is again, not something I think that most photography business owners do just take a step back. First of all, as you said earlier, establish clarity, clarity about where we are going. And we talk about this quite a bit here on the book of podcasts. I reference it as uh, to borrow a phrase from uh, an author named Julie Morgenstern, a big picture view, kind of this overarching set of goals that drives everything that we do personally, which naturally should then trickle down to what we do on a business level. So establishing clarity about where it is that we're trying to go. Do you recommend a particular, and maybe this is a conversation for a different episode, but do you recommend on a very basic level, a particular way to go about establishing that clarity to begin with? I th- one of the things that we talk about with the abundance group is identifying where you are in your business journey. So we have, and I don't know that we necessarily want to go into it now, but we have five different descriptions of the, the kind of the classic challenge that every business owner runs up against. Okay. So we've identified what those, what those challenges are. And then we kind of describe that as like a chapter in your story or a, a place in your journey. And then you understand what the objective is, you know, what's the obstacle in a sense you're trying to get past. So Again, if you're, you don't want to hire a whole bunch of people if you don't have the business to support them. I mean, that's pretty basic, pretty simple, but uh, we often get confused in that. So if, you know, you hear out there that you should buy a CRM system and you're out looking at a CRM system and you don't really know why you're buying it, you don't really know how to evaluate which one's the best one for you. And so often you start reading the list of benefits and you go, well, wait a minute, that'd be cool. I should do that. If you don't do it now, why do you want to add it just because you have, you know, a software tool that does it for you? So if you start out saying, okay, I know what what I'm working on, what my challenge is, then I can work to overcome that challenge. And I know when that when I've completed that, that effort. So it creates, we're clearly focusing on the issue that's right in front of us, not the one that may be two months or six months down the road. Or, or the one that's incoming from social media or the conference I just went to or what, you know, what my photographer friend was talking to me about. I, this is so great. And it's so much in, in right. line with what we talk about here. It's so true. I mean, it's so easy to be distracted right now um, and has been for some time. All these streams of incoming information, suggestions, ideas, ads. You talk about, you know, buying a piece of equipment or a piece of software it may not actually be relevant. It's fun to think about. Um, it's easy to get distracted by. But if we aren't clear about what our overarching goals are, then we don't have the ability to effectively filter out that which is irrelevant. So we have to be clear about that first. And, and I'm really right. glad, glad that you highlight that. If we start with that clarity, and by the way, you, you mentioned those, those five principles. I'm going to kind of leave that hanging a little bit for our audience because I do want to make sure that we kind of filter them or funnel them to the abundance group. Um, and I know that we're kind of doing this out of order, if you will, but can you just share briefly the, the significance of the Abundance Group? What is that brand about? Well, what, what we did with the Abundance Group, those of you that know my daughter, Ashley Ebert, she is very passionate about growing the wedding industry. She entered that industry as a wedding planner and has a very large wedding planning business, multi-location, but she's always been about growing the industry. And what she and I did was get together a few years back and say, let's try to build 
something. We kind of laugh because sometimes we're still struggling on what we're actually name it um, or describe it as. But it's we wanted to give the complete solution as as best we could for wedding professionals on how to run and grow their business. So it's a training system. There's tools. We have partnerships with product companies and service providers. So we want to surround wedding professionals that are for the most part artists and creatives, okay. not business professionals okay. and saying, Hey, the business stuff, that's, you guys do the hard stuff. The business stuff is the easy part. Hmm. All we have to do is show you the principles and teach you the steps, which more or less anybody can learn. You guys do already know how to do the hard part. The easy part is just, you know, these five or six different things that you work through and you say, okay, now I know I have to work on marketing and sales. I'm working on marketing and sales. Next, if I'm building out a team, I'm not working on marketing and sales, I'm building out a team. So what we tried to do is put together really a library of resources and training and coaching to say, we want to help you become business pros so that you can run the photography business you want to run. That's great. And and I love the the simple summation of that. We'll we'll put a link, of course, in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for everybody listening in uh, to the Abundance Group, as well as my interview with Dale's daughter, Ashley, um, back in episode 332. And and uh, you'll find some value in that, that conversation as well. We'll put that all in the show notes. Uh, but I want to bring it back to our conversation at hand. So we, we started, when it comes to this idea of even considering what it means to scale our business, first of all, starting with clarity. Uh, about what what it is that we're actually trying to accomplish. That's that's mm-hmm. the number one and and so so important. Can't be stressed enough. Um, as far as what those five steps look like, um, again, we'll link to the abundance group, and you all can go find that information in that community. But then, secondly, you talked about marketing, and of course, that's a loaded topic in and of itself. But ultimately, what that means is we're trying to to get business on a very simple level, right. get clients, which is going to generate mm-hmm. revenue. Um, but then we get to this point, and this is where our conversation today is most relevant. We get to this point where we have enough or even so much business coming in that we start to get a little bit flustered, maybe a little bit overwhelmed. Um, and you mentioned this, just the, the simple phrase, the owner's time. There's a certain, we only have a certain amount of time in each day. Um, and for me personally, my overarching goals, my big picture view, part of what is I guess a component of that big picture view is the amount of time I want to even spend developing my business in the first place. I have certain financial goals, uh, which translates to the business model that I create, but I don't want to spend 80 hours a week in order to read those, reach those goals. So there's a certain amount of time I want to put into my business. I also am limited in my resources on a daily basis. I only have a certain number of hours. I have two kids um, and I have other responsibilities to keep up with. So limited this, this limited resource that we call time, that is a real factor in my life. And I think most of our listeners can relate to that idea. The question then becomes, how do I more effectively either A, utilize that time, work more efficiently? We talk about that quite a bit on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, but then you mentioned the idea of growing a team. And again, this is something that may, be, it may kind of feel like a foreign concept to our listeners, before we get into what that might look like, do you feel like this this notion of scaling a business is a, and, and I, I'm going to put it out there, it's a rhetorical question really, but do you think it's relevant to, to any small business owner? Yeah, absolutely. When it's talking about your time, I mean, there, if you step back and, and ask why we started our business in the first place, at least for me, when I started the businesses, is I wanted a control of my time. Mm. I, I got out of the nine to five world or 
six to six world or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Simply saying my number one thing in my life that I wanted was to control my time. Okay. And for certainly a lot of business owners, the challenge is there, you think we think there are so many things we have to do with our time that we simply run out of time. And then we start doing kind of wacky trade-offs because something's urgent that's right in front of us, even though it turns out it's not important. Right. Um, so I think when you start off saying, okay, if time, my time is most important, then I'm going to quickly give away to other people the things that I don't want to do or that I'm not very good at. Um, and when we play to our strengths, we're way more productive. And, and um, But sometimes we think we have to do things that really we're really bad at, okay. um, you know, the you know, accounting or, or legal issues or those kinds of things. The reality is just give them away. Have somebody else do your finances. Now, it doesn't mean you ignore the numbers, but it means you're not the one actually doing all the calculations or, you know, doing the tracking of those expenses and those kinds of things. But it's the same kind of thing in, in marketing. It's the idea of if we're not very good at it, we have to ultimately our business is going to have to be good at marketing and sales. So if we're not good at it, then we need to partner with or hire somebody that is good at it. Now, we can also choose to learn it because most of that is knowledge and skill, like so many other things. It's not about our personality. It's knowledge and skill and we can all learn it. But if it takes us a really long time to learn it, then from a time perspective, if we're focused on our time, we really should hire somebody that knows how to do it way better than we do and spends all their time on it. Hire them to go do it. So, so I mean, as far as this topic of time is concerned, the notion of scaling our business that's relevant to any and everyone, right? We, we have a limited amount of time if we want to continue to grow our business. And by the way, not get burnt out in the process. Um, right. The notion of trying to scale our business is relevant to everyone. You mentioned the significance of delegation, um, not only because somebody else might be better at this particular thing uh, than we are, uh, but then it also might take quite a bit of time for us to even figure out how to do that in the first place. Again, we're talking about time, but I would, I would ask you here too. And by the way, photographers edit, of course, is my editing company and is a sponsor of this show. Anybody that's curious, you just go to photographersedit.com, just like it sounds. Um, photographers many times will talk to me. I've been running this editing company now for 12 plus years. One of the things that they'll say is, well, I enjoy editing. And, right. and then simultaneously, they're going to go spend 12, 16 hours, 12 to 16 hours, probably on average per wedding, doing this thing that they enjoy. And in the meantime, their business is suffering because they're doing this very reactive work, kind of busy work behind the computer, rather than focusing their time on something that's going to actually grow the business. So what would you say? I mean, it, it is important that we enjoy something that we do, I think, at least to, to a point. But then at some point, there is a trade-off, too. I think when we're spending so much time doing the thing that we enjoy, that our business might actually suffer because it's not the thing that actually matters. How do you learn to differentiate between the two? Well, I mean, it's really stepping back. And I think Ashley has talked with it. You know, we're real big at understanding why you're starting your business in the first place, your why. And it's, we talk about your why not so you can explain it to your clients. But so instead, you can actually use it as an evaluation criteria. Why did you start your business? Did you start your photography business? Or in my case, again, I go back to say, I started my businesses to take control of my time. So if I wanted to get my time, what did I actually want to do with my time? If I wanted to edit photography in my time, then I'm matching my why. Hmm. But if my why was, was primarily to provide a great experience and provide a great product to um, my clients, my couples, is that the best way to do that? 
But also if my business falls apart in the process, because I'm spending so much time doing some detail inside the business and my cash flow goes upside down or whatever else, that doesn't really align with why I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. So it's the idea of, of giving to others that part that isn't the core that you love. Because if you spend your time in the wrong place, you end up losing that core too. Yeah. And, and I love how you bring it back to the significance of why, the clarity about why it is that we're even doing this in the first place. And so I, I can't recommend enough for everybody listening in, if you haven't taken the time to establish that. I mean, it's been a almost like a, um, a cliche talking about, um, you know, Simon Sinek, for example, in his book, Start With Why. I mean, every, any and everybody's talking about it in the industry now, but I still wonder how many photographers are actually taking that information and doing something with it. And the significance is it relates to the idea of scaling a business, again, so that we can maximize our time so that we don't get burnt out uh, and that we can ultimately effectively achieve our goals is it has to start with understanding why we're even doing this in the first place. If we don't, we can't filter out the activities that are irrelevant. And, right. um, and, and at that point, it is just kind of random. I, I like doing this, so I'm going to do that thing. Eh, I'm not really in the mood to do that, so I'm not going to do that. Oh, that that's a really cool piece of camera gear. Let me go buy that. Oh, there's a really right. nice workshop, and I'm going to go... And so it's not just about editing. It's not just about album design or accounting or admin work or otherwise. It's anything, literally anything can be filtered out if we're clear about what it is we're trying to accomplish. And it needs to start there if we want to run a business effectively. Uh, I love that you continue to highlight that. Um, when it comes to this idea of building a team, there are obviously different ways to go about this. And, and maybe I know that you told me before we started recording that you've got a few, three specifically um, steps that you want to share with our listeners regarding how to go about developing a scalable business. Maybe this is part of that, but I'm curious if when it, when it comes to developing a team, how important is it do you think to develop that team inside the business as in actually hiring even a part-time individual or maybe uh, having an intern come in versus delegating to a third-party company like Photographer's Edit or any number of the companies in our industry? Right. Well, I mean, that's a great point. The thing that we start with at the Abundance Group is we talk uh, about an expanded definition of team. What we mean by that is your team isn't just the people that you hire or contract into your company. Your team is everybody that, that, directly or indirectly supports your business or your service to your clients. Okay. So your lawyer, your accountant, your anybody that you outsource work to is part of your team. And part of building that team, I guess the most important single principle of having a, an effective team is when you bring somebody onto your team, that you turn your perspective around and say, I'm not the boss telling this person what to do. Again, if I'm outsourcing or if I'm bringing somebody into my staff, I'm now a leader and my job is to help that person be successful in the role that they're playing on the team. Mm. So if I'm working with an editor, talk about what, what I expect, what, what's important to me, what I value, because that partner wants to turn around and give you exactly what you want. But if you don't tell them, they don't know. And if you don't help them along the way and say, I like this part, I didn't like that part, you know, that whole thing. And but oftentimes when we when we start from a position of I'm crazy busy, I just, quote, need to bring somebody in to take some of this off my plate. We're not thinking about that other person. We're thinking about us. Wow. And when we work to develop successful people on our team and, and give them and equip them with what they need to be successful, it turns around and it helps us 10 times more than if we would have just asked them 
hey, can you help me go run this thing over there or do whatever it is we think we need to do? Man, there's so much we could pick apart of it. That's so good. Um, and likely you're, we're going to see on social media a soundbite just from that because that's such a beautiful summation of at least what it means to begin to delegate. Um, and I'm getting goosebumps partially just because it was great information, partially because, I mean, ultimately I can relate to it. I've fallen short in so many ways in this in this effort Despite the irony of you know me running a company that's all about delegation, I'm continuing to learn what it means to delegate more effectively to my team. And, and I love framing that effort in the context of service. How do I best serve this person who is now working for me? It's not about me being the boss, as you said. Um, right. It's about figuring out how I can best support them. I, I, it's my job to know kind of the overarching mission of the company, what we're trying to achieve, but then help these people that are working on my team accomplish those goals most effectively, particularly in the context of their role. But to your point, and, and this has been something that we've certainly seen with Photographer's Edit, but I think it, it's a struggle for all of us, including myself, when it comes to delegation, if we're not clear about number one, uh, and as you've been continuing to emphasize what, what it is that we want, um, then it, we can't effectively communicate that thing. Number two um, and this is something we've been talking about on the podcast as of late, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. We we can't assume in that process of communication then that the other person just automatically knows how we feel and think, or for that matter, that they even communicate in the same way that we do. If we're, if we're trying to say, this is the thing that I'm looking for, we have to make sure that we're communicating in a way that reson- actually resonates with that person and the way that they communicate, the way that they understand communication. Um, what are your thoughts on that idea specifically? Well, I think, I mean, that's the great point. And, and um, I think the most important aspect of that is making sure that they can ask questions of you hmm. because in the questions, you can understand their thinking and, you know, it kind of goes back and it's kind of philosophical, but that our thinking drives our behavior that determines our results. Right. So if you want to change your results, we have to change how we think. Yes. So we go back to, I'm not the boss. I'm the person trying to help the person on this team be successful. So that's a different way of thinking. But also in the communication, there's the challenge of we know exactly what we want, but it's up to us to be able to communicate it in a way that other person can understand. So spending the time and letting them talk back to us and tell us what they heard that we said and ask questions along the way, it really helps us. The questions tell us what they're thinking about. Mm. So the more we're, we're there and available for them, not hanging over their shoulder or peeking or, you know, any of that kind of stuff, but just always being open. And it's not a get understanding that the question isn't a judgmental thing. Right. It's an informational thing for the other person. It's information. Us. Yeah. Well, and I think about this in, in the context of having worked in the retail world years ago. And, you know, when, when I started, for example, I worked for Dillard's, I think this was back in, in my college days. So this would have been 20 years ago or whatever it was. <laughs> and, you go in to work for a company like Dillard's and they, first of all, they, they give you training up front, and then there's ongoing communication about what it is that, that they want from you as the employer. We as business owners, if we're delegating, whether it's to somebody that's in house or to a third party company like photographers edit, that process of communication, it's not just an upfront process. It's an ongoing process. And I think a lot of photographers, um, specifically in the context of outsourcing editing to our company have gotten frustrated because there's some initial communication, but after that, they just 
they just kind of expect it to get done, which by the way, I can more than empathize with. I love the idea of going to a company and say, Hey, I want this thing done. And they get it done. I don't have to think about it. There's no back and forth. But the reality, the majority of the time, the reality is that a great working relationship with anyone requires ongoing communication, ongoing clarification. This is personally, professionally, or otherwise. And um, so I, I think it's important that, that we all keep that in mind in this process of delegation. Well, and as you say, the editor wants to provide exactly what the client wants. I mean, you want to have the questions, you want to have the feedback. Yeah. You know, it's the person that's not a great service provider, quite honestly, that doesn't want to have communication. Hmm. And the people that really care want to have constant ongoing communication. Now, they also do it in a respectable way. They don't just, hey, let's hop on a call for another hour just for fun. It's not that. <laughs> right. It's let's have a 15-minute conversation to, so I make sure that I'm giving you what you want hmm. and covering those things that are most important to you. Well, and, and I love that you point out how the editor or any, again, any person in the context of the conversation about delegation on the other side wants to provide that service or do their job effectively. Um, and it's so funny. And again, I've been guilty of this. So maybe I'm, this is just a subjective thing that I'm projecting on the conversation. But I, I think um, many could probably relate to the idea of being frustrated with whoever is on the other end of this transaction, if you will, where you mm-hmm. say, I want this thing done. And it doesn't get done just the right way the first time. And then you just get frustrated without remembering the very thing that you pointed out, which is that person's actually, they want to do a great job. In this case, maybe there was a piece of information that was missing. There was a misunderstanding, or maybe they just made a mistake, but there's no Mm -hmm. ill will. It's not a personal thing. And if you're willing to take the time to give them a little bit of feedback, we can trust the idea that they're assumed that they're on our side. They want to get that job done well for us. And it really changes the, the type of interaction rather than, again, going back to your earlier reference, being boss employee, now we're a team, we're working together. This didn't go exactly like I was thinking. Would love to get your your thoughts. How can we best go about improving this thing? This is kind of more what I had in mind. Let it be a constructive conversation at that point rather than somebody getting in trouble. Right. Well, and, and, and it's sometimes difficult in emotional industries, but the idea of, of feedback or conversation doesn't isn't have to be judgmental. Right. You know, they're just trying to be helpful. And, and if if the person asking you to do the work could do it themselves, they do it themselves. So clearly they need the help. So sure. they want to have the help. But it's it's the whole thing of, you know, when we step back to with the abundance group, we talk about a bigger description or a definition of team so that everybody is brought in. You can set expectations, but it's also they're all part of the win as well. So. Mm as you're helping a photographer move their business forward, you're part of that success. And, you know, as a service provider, that's what you feel. That's the benefit you get. And if we're all realizing that everybody on the bigger team has the same perspective, they all really want to be successful. They just don't know how you define it. That's really the key. So we have to help them understand what we're thinking um, at that time. And over time, our expectations will probably change and grow. Sure. And we need to share those too. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's such an important part of it as well. I do want to just throw in here because it's a great segue. Um, another sponsor of the Boca podcast is Milu. And for anybody listening in, if you're curious about how you can more effectively collaborate, especially if you're a wedding photographer, but also a portrait photographer on timelines and shot lists for those events that you're photographing, 
Um, not only do we have a really great tool for creating and managing those timelines and shot lists, but there's a really great collaboration feature built into that app. So you can check it out, Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. And I just wanted to throw that out there, but I want to keep the conversation going, Dale, and, and let's talk about next actions. Um, I, I love to be able to give our listeners actionable, practical steps that they can take away and go begin to apply to their business. In the context of scaling their business, what are some great next steps that they can take um, to, to really to grow their business in this realm? Well, and to keep with the abundance group definition of scaling, and again, that might not be the case for everyone, but scaling is when you're increasing your capacity to serve your customers. Okay. So first, it's getting very clear on those key processes within your business. Again, if it's marketing and sales or delivery or after post-delivery, whatever it is, focus on those real key three to five or, you know, depending upon how you work your business, but really understand those um, processes or workflows, as you call them, and write them down. <laughs> you know, the classic thing is, as business owners, we always say, I, I've got it. It's all right here in my head. First of all, I can't always remember what's in my head. Um, but second of all, we can't look and say, you know, we have a 10-step process. We'll say, well, step six and seven doesn't make any sense. We did that when, when sometime in the past, um, something had come up. So we had to make sure we got paid up front or whatever. But it's, it's first of all, documenting your process, get them written down okay. and evaluate them to see if they're efficient, but also effective and effective. Do they get the right result? And then efficiency is, does it happen quickly? Hmm. Then it's looking to say the, so the second step is then systematizing that or automating that or using a tool to simply, again, get even more efficient. Hmm. And both, you'll spend less time. Now, there's usually setup up front, you know, if you're bringing in a CRM system or what have you. But there's setup time up front, so schedule that. But then the tool is both going to make you more efficient, but it's also going to keep make sure that you're less error prone. And the real challenge when we get crazy busy is we start hurting our brand reputation because things start falling through the cracks. But so the second thing, bringing in those tools or systematic, you know, even having checklists and simple things like that right. is really systematizing. And then the third thing is giving it to somebody else. And again, that may be outsourced to a service provider, which, by the way, may say that you have to change your process a little bit because they do it a different way. But the assumption that probably is they probably have the right way because they do it all the time. We do it part of the time. Or so if we outsource it to a service provider or we're, quote, outsourcing it to somebody else on our team, we're still giving it away. I'm taking notes here as, as you're you're sharing these ideas with me. And, and I want to kind of just jump back through them really quickly and maybe get your take on a couple of things. Uh, so you, you said about and this is I love the consistency here. You said to get clear I and mean, you're talking about the significance of clarity, overarching clarity. But then when it comes to our processes, be clear about what those processes are. For photographers, I mean, th that could be anything from the way they manage their email, the way they manage their editing, whether it's currently in-house or not, um, their album design process, their accounting processes, uh, any additional communication with, with clients, um, whether they are using a CRM system currently or not. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. Are there any other particular points that you mean that you're referencing when you talk about the processes? Um, not really. Well, I think one of the things that I'm not sure <laughs> if this is exactly relevant or not, but I think part of the process of building out a team is 
thinking differently about the company hmm. or the brand. So for example, there's a, a typical transition where it changed, the business changes from, it's all about me. Right. So Dale Henry photography, and then I might bring on a small team that it's kind of more about us. You know, you won't necessarily always be working with me as the owner, but there's people with me that do the same thing I do, but it's, it, it's a change in the brand to us. And then the third phase is really where it's all about the brand experience. So it's, and in that step, you may actually need to rebrand um, <laughs> simple and Ashley get this inside joke, but nobody else will. So the idea if my business goes from Dale Henry photography to comfortably you photography simply mm. says the brand experience is about you being comfortable in front of a camera as a client where originally it was all about Dale Henry. But in order, in order to create a, a brand that would even do that though, I mean, going back to, to that first point that you shared, being clear about the processes means that you can then effectively communicate those or delegate those processes to a team to, and to, to be able to provide that experience in the first place. Right. If you're not even right. clear about that stuff, Again, it all just lives inside your head, and that's where it's going to be stuck. And, and the idea of scaling business is really not even a possibility at that point. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you highlight that, but I want to bring it back to these other points. I mean, you said, first of all, be clear about all the processes. And by the way, remove the unnecessary ones. You alluded to that as well. I think this is a great way to go about it. In fact, in the past, I've suggested uh, for photographers to literally list out every single thing that they do on a daily basis. I mean, this could be yep. personally and professionally. Mm -hmm. And um, what, what I suggested was, was mark those tasks, either reactive or proactive, and, and try to get the, the list um, skewed in the direction of the proactive tasks. But even just taking the time simply to list everything that you do, either on a daily or a weekly basis even, will probably be quite eye-opening for a lot of photographers. And one of the things that it will enable is to get rid of the things that are not absolutely necessary once they've established that overarching clarity about what it is that they're trying to accomplish. So that was that first step. Systematizing and automating. You've mentioned CRM multiple times now, and it, I'm glad that you do because I'm not sure that every photographer is using them um, or maybe even most photographers using them. I hope so, but it, it enables something which you highlighted, which is this idea of automation. I mean, we're in 2020 now. Um, and, and you could literally take that list of tasks that you are working through in a week or the activities, shall we say, because not necessarily all of them are tasks per se, but all the things that we're doing in a week, we could literally go through and probably Google search each one of those things and potentially find a piece of software that helps us do that thing more efficiently or automate that thing or even delegate. And we'll get to that in just a second. Um, but we need to, to leverage these tools. The number of photographers that talk about when it comes to their accounting using spreadsheets, for example, um, or, or some other kind of old school approach to managing their finances. I mean, if they're getting it done, great. But in my mind, I'm thinking about how, how can I find the tool that makes it as easy as possible and efficient as possible to get this particular activity done so I don't have to spend much time doing it. And so why wouldn't they use in the context of that conversation, QuickBooks, for example, QuickBooks Online compared to what it was 20 years ago is amazing. It's, it's simple. It's, e it's user-friendly. It's easy to share the data with your accountant. Why wouldn't you actually utilize a resource like that, that, that makes it a lot easier than in many cases automates some of the work that you used to have to do manually and ultimately saves time and enables you to scale your business more effectively. Right. And I think what you'll also find in tools like CRM systems or accounting systems is the idea of you're not their first client. You know, they know how to do these processes. Right. And a lot of times 
we'll take our approach, which we kind of created on the fly as we started to understand this, and then try to put it into a CRM system and go, well, it doesn't allow me to do this. Or it tells me I need to do these three other things. You know, honestly, between you and I, they're probably right. You know, <laughs> hey, I should have been doing that. Right. I just didn't. So oftentimes the tool actually helps us get way better at what we're doing because they're serving a whole bunch of people. And if those people didn't ask for it or they didn't see value, it wouldn't be in there. Exactly. But you also highlighted something which is important to keep in mind, just being kind of realistic as business owners. And and some, if not maybe most cases or many cases, with these softwares that enable us to automate, make our businesses more efficient, it does take a little bit of a time investment up front. And I, I mean, I think back to years ago, actually, when I first started digitizing all my paperwork, I mean, I had a I had the old school, I know this is, we're talking years and years ago, but I had an um, old school, I don't even remember what they were called, filing cabinets, like with, yeah. with folders and pieces of paper. And I literally would sit at night with a scanner and I spent countless hours doing this, but scanning in contract. I mean, I have contracts going back to something like 2003 or 2004, but digitizing all this stuff, it takes a bit of an investment up front, but then you have easy access to this information. I was audited a couple of times, and because I had put systems in place, organizational systems in place, specifically with Evernote is, is kind of the, the data yep. management system that I use, it was relatively easy to go back and just pull data and, and give to the auditor because that was I had that system in place. It took time up front, yes, and it takes just a little bit of time on going to keep that organized. But at the end of the day, there's a massive payoff in the effort to develop a scalable business. So yes, for everybody listening in, it may take a little bit of time to set up the CRM, may take a little bit of time to get QuickBooks running and working with your accountant so that you have a good collaboration there. It may take a little bit of time to communicate your editing preferences to Photographer's Edit or another editing company or an album design company, but the payoff is gonna be massive. It will enable you to scale your business more effectively. And then that brings us to the third point. I mean, you, you spoke again to the significance of delegation. I think you could literally Google, in many cases anyway, a lot of those those activities that you spend your time on and find third-party services or somebody willing to be hired out individually to accomplish that task for you. The resources are there. It's just a question of whether or not we're able to give those up, A. Um, actually, even before that, see the value in them and then, and then delegate them and ultimately be able to effectively delegate them, communicate effectively as we were talking about. Uh, but that's a massive, massive next step and probably the biggest time saver, right? When it comes to right. scaling our business. Yeah. And, and honestly, in building your team is it's a it's a place where a lot of us make mistakes and it's where the world makes a lot of mistakes. I mean, mm -hmm. I think in the corporate world, some of the numbers say that only 60 percent of the hires actually turn out to be high value employees. So interesting. I think part of it is we need to give ourselves a break and cut us some, ourselves some slack if we don't pick the, the perfect match hmm. the first time. You know, if you, you pick an accountant and it turns out that you just don't work well together, don't decide I'm never going to hire an accountant again. Right. Say, hey, that's kind of the how it works, you know, and, and assume that we're going to you're going to take a few shots at some of these. You're yes. going to find better people that work with you over time. 100%. But you have to start somewhere. <laughs> you have to pull the trigger the first time. Yeah. But I mean, then it you know, it comes back to what we talked about before is, is be clear on the communication and the expectation and know that you're building a relationship and working together. This has been a really wonderful conversation and, and particularly because it's just so highly practical, big concepts and ideas that are immediately applicable. And I can't thank you enough for making time to, to share with us and to, to just 
kind of give everybody a direction at this point, in addition to the very practical next actions that Dale shared with us, uh, he's mentioned the Abundance Group. Can you just remind us, Dale, where our listeners can go and learn more about the Abundance Group and, and ultimately get involved in that community? Yeah, I think the community part of it's really the most important. I mean, we have a Facebook group called the Wedding Pros Guide to Abundance. Okay. And that's an ongoing where you can where we share the most resources um, for members or non-members. Um, the website is called the abundance.group. And then Instagram is the abundance group. We try to keep it as simple as possible. If Dale can remember one one name, Ashley think that's a good idea. So she tries <laughs> to keep it simple. It's simple is good. And we'll put uh, a link to those resources in the show notes. Again, bocapodcast.com for anybody listening in. Make sure you leverage, take advantage of the show notes. Of course, if you're using a podcast app, just go in the show notes. You can find the links to the resources we mentioned today. But um, thanks again, Dale. This has been a really fun conversation, really helpful conversation. Really appreciate you making time for all of our community. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.